Welcome to The Other Storyteller, the podcast sparking conversation in the arts and media world. I'm Maria, a filmmaker, entrepreneur, and curious artist from Colombia, living in the UK and Canada. The world is full of stories of cultures, places, and people, and I want to meet the most inspiring artists and storytellers from across cultures to uncover the stories that become art. Hello, and welcome to The Other Storyteller. Today, we have a very, very exciting guest. I know that I always say this is very exciting, but I have to say, you know, there's a lot of times that I interview people that I've known for a while, so I'm really excited to interview them. But when I get to interview people I've never met in real life before, I am the most excited because there's a part of me that's just like really trying to understand where their stories come from. And uh, this is totally the case today. So please say welcome to Teniola King. Teniola is a filmmaker from uh, Nigerian origin, born in Britain, and she has been nominated for the MVCA Film Awards for her short film, Tejus Tale. So please say welcome to Teniola. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me here. I'm oh. looking forward to this chat. <laughs> oh, I am so happy to have you here. Um, so I'm just going to give a little bit of background so people know. So I actually got to know Teniola through a friend in common. And, uh, you know, as you guys are going to be meeting her, I am meeting her too. So I'm very, very excited and I'm very grateful that you're here and that you're taking time to talk with us and to share your story. Oh, no problem. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, what are you passionate about or what are your projects that you have going on right now? Oh, so, I mean, I'm passionate about good storytelling. Um, and I say good storytelling because storytelling is a craft. Um, storytelling is something that is natural to people, but there's certain skills and a certain knowledge that needs to be applied to that natural form of storytelling for it to be done properly, if you, if you ask me. Um, so I'm all about the craft of storytelling, knowing that craft and telling stories. Um, so right now I'm developing two projects, which is quite exciting, um, two pitches. One is a rom-com and the other is a mystery thriller, both for TV. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know the industry, you can't really talk too much about what it's about, um, but it's been a very exciting journey working with these two production companies and like developing my first two pilots and yeah, just living the life of a writer, as they say. <laughs> that is so exciting, I love that. So tell me a little bit about how you got into being a writer, because I know that a lot of people write stories and they love that but they really don't know how to take their stories mm. into a setting where it can be commercialized mm. I mean I guess it really just starts with the decision to to do it really everything starts with the decision everything you see in this world today started in someone's mind and then they made a decision to pursue it um, I'm a Christian and I'm, I believe in like God telling people what their purpose is so I believe that was the purpose God has for me to be a filmmaker and to be a writer. Um, so when I found that, I was like, okay, let me pursue this with everything. Um, I actually started off quite a while ago. It's like nearly, nearly 10 years ago, which is wild now, given my age. Um, but when I was in uni, that's when I made the decision to become a filmmaker. And I actually started off as a producer in Nigeria. Um, but then long story short, I resigned my job as a producer and came back to London to do a master's in filmmaking at the London Film School and it was just very exciting learning all the different aspects of filmmaking 
and then going on to decide to be a writer and a director um and just really just pursuing it I guess it's really just making the decision and then giving yourself every opportunity to develop that craft so for me that was doing my master's at film school so going to film school and then reading about it um watching YouTube videos about it I know everybody can't go to film school because it can be quite expensive but it's really just dedicating yourself to then learning it somehow some way um, two books I always recommend are Story by Robert McKee and um, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder and those two books are brilliant when it comes to storytelling and like how to write a proper script. That's fantastic I love that so when you decided to quit your job in production and become a writer so you came you did your uh, like you did your studies your master's how did you get your first written piece picked mm. up by anyone else or how did you secure the first um film incentives to 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 make your first film so my very first so you know in film school you have different projects i had like mm -hmm. a micro short film um which is actually online somewhere called the game which is quite interesting um so i guess in school itself we were encouraged to write stories and to pitch them sometimes they get picked up sometimes sometimes they don't but in general, we were doing that. Um, so I guess I also developed my confidence in writing and pitching. And then at the end of my particular film school, you're encouraged to do a graduation film. Um, and that was my very first proper short film. It was called Giddy High Life, set in Nigeria. And I wrote that and directed it and produced it. I also helped with the editing and like did quite a lot in this one film. Uh, and then when... I finished that film, um, my friend Kobe, great friend of mine, he basically was like, Tony, you got to do another film. Um, and long story short, so I went to bed one night, woke up the next morning, I remembered my, my grandma's story, which is Teji's Tale. And God said, write that one. So I said, okay, no problem. So I wrote that script. And long story short, was able to get Sky to come on board. But I think we can talk about that later. But basically, each time I've decided to write then different ways of the funding has come through but I guess it always starts with that decision to write first and then once you've written the script looking for how you can start funding it and everything I love that and I think that a lot of people are always like do I find something that people like pay me to write or do I write something and try to sell it and and I think that there's many ways to go about it but definitely I always say to people like you want to be a writer write something first and show the world that you can do it. If you want to, to be, I don't know, like a blog writer, a storyteller, a book writer, like write something and try to get people to look at that because your work is going to be the best advocate of what your capabilities are and your drive too. Like when you're writing something that nobody's telling you, wake up and write it. It's you that wants to write it. It's you that's putting in the time you really are showing people that this is what you're passionate about and that you have what it takes. Yeah, I agree. I agree because I I am only now started, like I've only started getting paid to write. Mm -hmm. I've been writing for since 2016, so this is seven years later. So it was only in 20, the end of 2022, which is last year, that I finally got like my first check, so to say, with regards to me being a writer. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I was able to get to that point is because I have been writing short films up until then. And like 
one thing I always suggest or recommend for people that want to get into writing, you need to, you don't need to, but I would advise starting with short films because it's actually harder to write a short film than it is to write a feature length. And people wonder why that is. Well, with the feature length, you have as much time to break down your characters, get into the story, and really give us as much information as you want to, because there's no limit, so to say, on feature films. People usually have it around the 19 minutes to two hour mark, but you have seen films that are three hours. Um, for a short film, it's recommended that your short film is 15 minutes or less. The shorter, the better, because it's able to get into like festivals, because it's easier to schedule. And the longer your short film is, the harder it actually is to get into festivals because they can't be scheduled. So it's not impossible, but just that's just the dynamics of the industry that we're in. And to write a short film and to get a full story within 15 pages or within 15 minutes, more like, can be quite tasking. It's, it's harder to do an arc. It's harder to have that character development. It's harder to tell that story within 15 minutes. And if as a writer, you can challenge yourself to do that and do that successfully, then people can then have the confidence to be like, okay, if she, can do, if she or he can do this shorter form, then there's a possibility they can do it for 30 minutes, which is a TV pilot, or 45, depending on if it's an hour or 30 minutes, um, or a feature film. So I always recommend writing, writing like what you have, writing, yeah, write with what you have. And then also that will then open the doors for longer form. And also on the flip side, financially, short films don't make money. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, you can, you can get like, it's very rare. I have friends, I've spoken to all, a lot of my friends. How many of you have gotten money from your short film? The answer has always been no. You do have occasions where your fin film might win like a prize and it has like a cash um, prize attached to it. But most of the time, I mean, Ted you still, I haven't gotten yeah. any money for it. Um, Giddy High Life, no money for it. My friends, as I said, they haven't gotten money for their films. So mm -hmm. it doesn't make money, which is why people are not inclined to pay you to write a short film because it's business at the end of the day. If they're making an investment, they want returns on their investments. So when somebody's actually giving you money to do a short film, they're investing in you and in your future and trying to give you a calling card for the future. Yeah, I think that that's definitely amazing advice that you're giving there. It's feature films are really your way into the film world and um, they can show what you can do in really short amount of time and how on size you're able to, to portray an idea and, how much you're able to evoke emotion in a very short period of time and generate attachment to, to characters in very little time. Yet at the same time, it's not necessarily what's going to, to generate the most money for you. And I know that for a lot of people, it's like this becomes part of their portfolios or their reels. And because of that, they are able to get um, jobs over time in the film industry. But definitely one of those things that it's like you have to do some of these work that it's not paid or that you're not going to make money from to really be able to receive some things in, in, in exchange. And I think that's actually tricky, I always say, because in the film and in the, in the media arts world, you do a lot of free stuff or, yeah. or things that don't necessarily make money. Sometimes you get paid to work in um, short films. Yes. Um, just by other people that are hiring you and stuff like that, but it's usually like, like a quite smaller amount, right? Um, but then you actually 
get a lot of experience, get exposure, and also get a network, which is what at the end of the day makes filmmaking. It's really hard to make a film on your own. Yeah. And you were saying it before, like you did several jobs within your film and it, and it was quite difficult, right? Yeah, like I did seven years of making things. Yeah. And not getting paid anything. Um, and it's funny because short films actually other crew members usually do get paid um but sometimes and it's entirely up to the writer or the director or the producer but most times i mean i personally haven't been paid for any of my short films i'm not saying this is how it always is always is because people usually do try and get paid but for me i wanted that money to go back into the production because Tejas told is a period drama and as a result it's much more expensive than a normal film would be just because like you have to get costumes, you have the production design that's taking lots of money. Um, and people don't usually do pure dramas for short films. So it's one of those weird ones where sometimes you kind of just have to make a little bit of a sacrifice. If you can get paid, get paid. I always advocate, advocate for mm -hmm. getting paid if you can. Um, but as I said, this is just from my own experience and from the experience that I know of other people who unfortunately because of the circumstances they just haven't gotten paid and even if you are getting paid as she said for a short film it's not going to be enough to sustain you it's going to be like literally maybe in a hundred like 100 pounds 200 max like yeah. 500 max if you're if it's a good wealthy budget a healthy budget more like um but it's very rare for that to happen definitely yeah i i definitely resonate with that and I remember when I got in the film industry, um, I did quite a lot of free stuff. And I actually was getting paid more often in short films than I was getting paid when I was working in features. Mm. Um, so just for reference, I went into the industry in the camera department, but I was also the assistant to a producer. And that was great. Um, and I got into a lot of productions as a, like, as a trainee, for example. Trainees actually get paid and there were a lot of instances that I didn't get paid and I used to get like people pull me aside and they're like how come you're not getting paid like when they would like find out and they were like so mad because in reality there's something that I think it's instinct and you have to really develop a way to pick up these things but even when you go into uh feature films and things like that you have to figure out if everyone's getting paid and you're not, you know, yeah. you have to figure out if it's a, a, like if even you could be getting paid a hundred pounds a day or 50 pounds a day or something to cover your gas, to cover your expenses, to be in the place. Because in most cases, for let's say feature films that have funding behind them, there is a way to pay you something. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, if there was no money, I would still do it in many occasions. So it's it's a hard one, right? Yeah, no, but I think for feature films, you should get paid. Yeah. Definitely. Because they have the money to pay you. They might not have the money to pay you a lot of money. But mm -hmm. as you said, even if it's 50 pounds, they yeah. should pay you for a feature film. Exactly. And is that, is that weird thing when you're just trying to get in? So you're just trying you're just happy to be there in the first place, you're just trying to soak it up. Yeah. But Unfortunately, you have people that are taking advantage of that exactly. and they do not pay people when they should pay people and get to people. That's free labor and that's wrong. Um, so just to clarify, if anyone is listening, for short films, it's more forgivable because we know that short films do have tiny budgets. Um, but I would even still say that they should still cover your transport costs costs sure. at least. Um, yeah. 
for feature films they do have more money and it might not be a lot of money but they do have they should have enough to pay you at least something um, yeah. whether you're a trainee even if you're there for a week it doesn't matter they should pay something yeah. and you 100%. don't decide to ask because most if you don't ask you don't get as they say closed mouth closed, closed mouths don't get fed so yeah but it's, it's it's hard like don't like i know i'm saying it now with full confidence and full vim i know if i was in the same position i'll find it hard to ask but yeah if you don't speak up um then you can't you can be missing out on a lot sadly absolutely and also not just about what you're missing out on but you're setting a precedent for other people to not get paid in and i think that that's where when someone told me like oh you know like you're making this decision to not get paid and you don't care but then the people that do care and the people that need to pay for at least their food for the day or for a few days like they're not getting paid and they're actually getting in trouble because decisions you're making and other people like you so uh, I just wanted to 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 send a little message there for people because uh, that is also important but I want to really really dive into Teju's tale and where that inspiration came from. You were just talking about this being the story of her grandma and I actually found that out while we're talking. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Is is that a story that you heard from your grandma or did you get a chance to talk to your grandma to write it? Mm. Um, so I actually, when I was when I was living and working in Nigeria as a producer, I was staying at my grandma's house. Um, my family's based in London. Um, so whenever I'm home in Nigeria, I'm at my grandma's house. And after work, most nights I would go home and just sit down with her. She would tell me so many different stories of her time in England and all her different adventures and all the different things she got up to. And um, Teji still was actually one of those stories um, about when she first got to in and like to Caucasian like, set of twins um trying to see her tail because she thought they thought she was a monkey and basically how she got them back um so there's a story she told me many years ago probably like 2016 2015 maybe and but as I said she tells me lots of stories so I completely forgot about it and, and then fast forward to 2019 when I said I'll have a conversation with my friend and he was like you gotta do another film so I literally went to bed that night woke up the next morning and I just randomly remembered that story and God said tell this story I was like okay no problem so I wrote the script that funny enough I actually didn't ask her for permission because you know <laughs> she can't say no um but I wrote the story I wrote the first draft and sent it to my friend and he was like this is absolutely amazing we're gonna get it done and I was like okay no problem but then from that point onwards I was then having discussions with my grandma and asking her different just different questions about the story and like asking her to expand a bit more just so that as I'm writing, I could build the world authentically. Um, so like, what color was your clothes? You know, what did you eat in the mornings? Like, how was your bed? Um, just different questions to just ensure that we're bringing that authenticity to the story and to the film. So that's where the story came from. And she was very, very instrumental in building even further once I decided to make it into a script. I love that. and. I imagine she's got to, to see the the film now. Yes, 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 yes. She's watched it twice actually. The first time she watched it, she's like, "Ah, yes, that's what happened. Yes, that's how they treated me." Hmm. Mm-hmm. But she, I think, for her, she's just happy that her story has been told, and 
like it was it's going to be out there forever i guess until the internet is no more because it's on youtube now so yeah her story is out there with her pictures and like you know her voice is there i love that eternity (laughs) i love that and i think that there's um obviously to that part of your like the story of your family and and your grandma it's something that is quite personal in a way because it's you know i don't want to spoil it for everyone but you kind of talked about it um there's an element of bullying an element of racism of xenophobia do you feel that you healed through it and do you think that your grandma in a way through seeing the story told is able to heal from that type of you know like hatred that people can 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 pass yeah I mean I guess whenever someone shows hate towards you it will always hurt um and for me personally I believe in not allowing things to affect me too deeply where possible mm-hmm. just because at the end of the day this is someone else saying something about you that isn't true mm-hmm. and as far as I'm concerned if it's not true then there's no need for you to hold on to it no matter how mean it is um they should be they should be corrected and maybe even chastised for the wrong they've done mm-hmm. to you. But ultimately, it's up to you, the person, to not allow it to go deep into your soul. Because when it does, that's when it gets affected. And that person then goes on to live their lives and do whatever. Meanwhile, you're still holding on to this hurt that this person has caused. So with regard to whether or not it healed my grandma, I feel like it's something she probably let go of a long time ago. Um, and has then gone on to become a nurse and have children and get married and now have grandchildren and great-grandchildren and are still living a healthy life in Lagos. My grandma is 89, she's going to be 90 next year. Um, so I doubt it gave her any type of healing. And if you're ever around old people, you know they get to a certain age where they literally have zero filters and they literally just could care less about anything because mm-hmm. they're old. Um, whether or not it healed me personally, I think if anything, it actually just opened up my eyes to how bad things were back then and how overt racism was. Like there's still racism today, but especially here in England, it's quite subtle. It's like it's it's low-key, as they like to say. Um so if anything, it opened my eyes up to it and made me more appreciative of the people that have been here and went through like literally terrible, horrendous racism, but were still able to strive and navigate and ensure that they were prosperous in whatever they did. And for me, it then encourages me that I have no rights to not go forth and ensure that I am literally doing everything I can within my power and with God's grace to achieve everything that I've been called to achieve. That's definitely so inspiring. And I think that that's um, beyond healing. It's uh, empowering, you know. It's it's really taking a situation and, and turning it into the fuel that that keeps you moving forward and that, that doesn't allow for things like that to happen to mm-hmm. you or to people around you that, that really 
cultivates the, your environment and the culture and the people around you, which I think is really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I am conscious of the time a little bit. So I wanted to, first of all, be super grateful for sharing the story of your grandma and I know that definitely it's it's in a way it's hard to tell that kind of story you know but um I also think that it's incredibly beautiful incredibly well filmed I thought wow like this is incredible so I am going to leave the link in the podcast for anyone um that wants to see it because I really think that you should be watching this film and I wanted to ask you a few different questions that I think people will be really interested in hearing the answer mm -hmm. to. So number one, what would be the advice that you would have given yourself or you would give yourself today when you were younger, when you were starting in the film industry or when you first became interested in becoming a filmmaker? Hmm. Um... I think the advi advice I would give myself would be to be courageous and just be bold and just go for it. And know that just because you get a no doesn't mean that's the end because you will get no's and rejections, especially on this type of journey. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean your work isn't good. Maybe you need to improve your work, you know, but not to be discouraged um I would also advise myself to consistent because I have a good community around me I have a good bunch of filmmakers that are my friends that have been around me and I can speak to and sometimes people always look for like the Oscar award-winning producers or writers or directors or actors to like get advice from but it's like actually no you have people that are in your immediate circle and if you can work with them and get advice from them and also give them advice not even just with work, but just like mentally, just get them to encourage you. Um, then you will see that as you all continue to progress together as a community, you will all achieve and do well. I have a group of friends that are doing extremely well, but we've known each other for years now. And looking at us now, it's like, wow, how did we get here? Um, and also realizing that there's enough for everybody. There's a lot of money in this industry. And there's also a lot of amazing ideas so never feel the need to have to withhold information from people or like not share because you think that they might get one over you that's never the case like those that give will continue to have to give but sometimes there's a whole perception that you kind of need to be like you know dog dog or patty cat whatever the saying is and not really be there for each other so i will just say embrace the community embrace the journey and enjoy it we're making films like enjoy the journey it's, it's, it's a very entertaining no pun intended but very entertaining industry to be in yeah. and yes there can be struggles and this and that but ultimately you are making films for a living and that's exciting so enjoy the journey I love that I think that that's so beautiful and and what you were saying about there being enough for everyone. I really believe that that's the case. And I also know that in many occasions I've been in places where I was really protective of what I was working on. And the reality is that the stories you want to tell, other people don't care about. Like they don't want to tell them, you know, it's not their story to tell. And, and I think that at the end of the day, there's so many stories and how that person tells it would be so different from how you tell it too. So 
um, definitely a collaborative, collaborative, <laughs> collaborative uh, environment, and, and we need the people, and we need that feedback to be able to write stories that resonate with people, and to refine how we tell the story, right? So thank you for that feedback. I think that is beautiful. You're welcome. All right. So now, another question: If right now you had to choose a film a music album, a painting, an installation, or any piece of art that you feel like people right here need to experience today, what would that be and why? Oh, that's interesting. Give me a variety of things. Hmm. Let's do music because I love music. I feel like if I wasn't in film, I'll be in music because music is amazing. Um, one album you should and must listen to would be an album called Masterpiece um, by Rachel Kerr. If you haven't heard of Rachel Kerr, she is one of the most phenomenal singers I've ever heard. And I know that sounds like a very, very big thing to say, but when you hear her sing, you would literally be blown away. She has sung for presidents. She is the vocal coach of many amazing big artists today. Um, and she herself is just phenomenal. She's an amazing performer as well. I've been for a concert a few time, times. Um, and her messages are also very, her messages, her songs more like, also have lovely messages in them. And she's just amazing as a person, but really and truly her vocal range yeah, phenomenal. If you ever get to see her live, go and see her live. But start with the albums first and... Um, yeah enjoy <laughs> thank you i'm gonna go listen i have to it sounds amazing i definitely you know what funny enough i feel like people that study film they love music yeah they love photography they love mm. art in general and it's like you just can't make a decision so you just go for film where you can do all of them in one i want to do everything i want to get into music videos now oh emerges emerges the two passions together but like music videos that are like narrative music videos, not really just party, party, party. I don't do that. I want to do like kind of mini short films. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Um, music video that I don't know why I want to mention it, but Al J had the Breeze Blocks music video back in, I don't even know when, it was probably 2013. It was like okay. so that was mind-blowing it's like you start seeing the whole story backwards and then you think the story is this is the story it takes you a while to realize it's backwards it takes you, you a while to realize the whole thing is like completely not what you thought just incredible narrative what was the name again uh breeze blocks breeze blocks blocks yeah so breeze blocks from alt j Hey, haven't heard very it. good they'll send you a link i'll send you a link Incredible video. i love those uh music videos that i'm like this is a short film without words you know like just incredible incredible um all right so now the last question this is the one that i feel like challenges people but i want you to think like outside of the box and just whatever comes to your mind like just commit commit you're gonna watch films mm from one country or or consume media from one country only for one month this is like you are in a deserted island and then they're like oh i'm gonna send you a laptop or a projector and only films from one country what is that country 
I mean, if you say media, so media including like music as well, or just yeah, it can be music, music, oh, yeah. Then it has to be Nigeria. Has yes, to be. because I mean, film wise. Mm, okay, so music wise, like Afrobeats, if you haven't heard of Afrobeats, I don't know what planet you're on, <laughs> but you need to listen to Afrobeats. And that's like literally my go to genre anytime, any day. But Afrobeats. So I don't think I could be on a like a, an island and not be able to listen to any other like type of music for the rest of my life. I think I might just go mad. So Afrobeats has to be there. Um, and even film wise. Nollywood, which is what the Nigerian industry, I mean, film, film industry is called, Nollywood is getting to a place where we're really producing a lot of phenomenal, interesting films that have like high production value as well. So I guess limiting it to just Nollywood is a bit scary, but I do believe we have a variety of stories that are being told and it's interesting seeing the growth in the industry. Um, even going back to the old Nollywood films, there's some that have some very, very, very vital messages in it that even affect me till today. I'll give you one random example. And there's a Nollywood film that I watched probably when I was like, I don't know, like six or so, like ages ago. And that makes me sound like I'm old, I'm not that old. But anyways, I watched it quite a, quite a few years ago. And in this particular film, the so the male figure was dating this girl and long story short invited her over for the night nothing happened because she had a headache and he gave her some medicine so she could just like sleep and rest by the next morning she was dead and what had happened was he had mistakenly given her expired medicine which had affected her over the night and resulted in her death and then he went to prison da, 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 another whole story but I kid you not, ever since I watched that film, whenever I want to take medicine, I always, always check the expiry date. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to die. I don't want to get sick. Um, and Nollywood has always had a way of relating messages to people in a very interesting, yeah, just in an interesting way. So yeah, I would, just, I would stick with my Nollywood because it's my culture and they have some very interesting films. From back then, I'm very excited projects that are going to continue to come out. Because it's still like, I say, you still get new films, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll stick in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I definitely, you know, I actually had a, a, a chat with uh, one of my professors at the business school. So he does a lot of research around the production of film, economics, and business. And he mentioned, I don't actually, I haven't done my research on this topic, but I, I believe him, maybe. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but he was saying that one of the most interesting reasons that um, like Nigerian film and a lot of the African countries film like is exploding, it's really growing, is that there used to be a lot of like um, pirated films that were being produced and, and sold. And actually in my country as well, I have to say, I have been guilty of buying a lot of pirated films because it's the about only that way that you get it. It's so expensive and it was like, I wanted to watch films that were not available, so I would just pirate them. But then basically what they did is they realized that these are markets that have huge amounts of people. And, you know, like actually the best way to do this is to fund film 
like local film so actually people would be consuming the film that is coming from within and be more willing to pay for it mm -hmm. rather than continuing um to just basically like give them things that they would pirate which i thought was really interesting i hope someone does that with colombia please if anyone's listening <laughs> i think it's great it's very very interesting um okay i think we've come to the end of Oh. These chats. and I am super grateful I'm gonna definitely go in and look at more Nigerian films and if you have any recommendations I'd love to have them because I'm really trying to explore and widen my world of media I am sure that a lot of people here uh, would also so thank you very much for being here and I really hope to see you again soon yes hope to see you too thank you so much for having me <laughs> thank you